Chile, a longtime partner in driving consumer demand here in the U.S. and certainly around the world. What are the changes or shifts taking place that are impacting this important production region for blueberries? What we're seeing now, right in the beginning, is that there's shortage of containers and the lines in the in the ports will be a very challenging situation for our crop, not only for blueberries, there are a lot of other crops going up from Chile. Cherries are just starting, and we have blueberries, and then we come the, the grapes. We have two very big crops from Chile. So far, it's moving quite smoothly for us because it's more fruit, but we will need to see afterwards. Today, I sit down with Andres Armstrong, my counterpart in Chile, and do a bit of a deep dive on what's happening now, what we can expect from Chile going forward, and what opportunities he sees ahead to help make blueberries the world's favorite fruit. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. We heard some great feedback from our recent episode about Peru, where we gave an outlook of the season and talked about some of the drivers impacting the blueberry industry there in Peru. Today, we're going to bring you a similar episode focused on Chile. I'm very glad to be joined by the executive director of the Chilean Blueberry Committee, Mr. Andres Armstrong. Andres, thank you so much for joining me on the Business of Blueberries. Hello, Casey. Thank you for the invitation. Uh... And uh, again, being with you in the podcast is, is very exciting to me. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And of course, you're a voice that uh, people have heard as part of some of those crop reports that we do each week here on the Business of Blueberries. And, you know, we wanted to just take a moment with you because, you know, your season is well underway and Chile has been a long time, a global leader and a partner in the blueberry production for a long time. So I thought we would just kind of start off giving our audience a high level perspective on what blueberries are doing, you know, this season in Chile, and then we can get into talking a little bit about the Chilean production more broadly. Yeah. From Chile this, uh, this season, well, the last years we've been pretty stable in our uh, volumes. And I will talk about fresh export volumes. This is what our association does. There's a, a lot of um, big portion of our crop that is going into frozen also, about 30% of that. But mainly this is fresh exports. There's a domestic market, not very big, but growing. We're also importing blueberries uh, from other countries here in Chile where we don't have that. that that's uh, a sign on, on how the, the consumption is growing. But as I said, we, we have been very stable in terms of our export volumes of fresh. But what's been going on in Chile is a variety renewal, mainly better uh, production, better shelf life, better flavor. This is what growers are looking here. And this is in part of responding to the increased production around the world that is somehow raising the bar in terms of blueberry quality, new varieties going there. There are new countries that are uh, supplying uh, fruit from different places. So uh, the chiller industry is moving towards that line of improving our product. And one of that is renewing varieties. So for this season, we're expecting to logistic permitting 
have the same volumes as uh, last season with the, a new change in varieties I mentioned and an increase in share of our organics, which is already big. I mean, 18% of our uh, exports on, on fresh are, are organic. 26% of our exports to the U.S. are organic and 10% of our exports to Europe are organic. So there's a big focus in, in blueberry organic production in Chile too. Yeah. Well, and, and talk a little bit about your experience there at the committee. You know, your background, I think it would be good just for our audience to hear a little bit about how you got into the blueberry business and in there with your position as the executive director of the Chilean Blueberry Committee. Well, I, I was pretty new to the industry when I got into the position of, uh, of the committee. I mean, I was uh, hired to form the committee. It didn't exist when I got there. So I started right from the beginning with the idea to help develop our industry towards the future. We were at that time very focused in the U.S. market. There was special care in terms of quality and food safety. But most of our work have been towards improving quality and market development. And uh, from the beginning of that, I mean, over 90% of our crop was going into the U.S. Now about 50% is going to the U.S. And I mean, the committee and its members, I, I must say, as a, a huge effort in terms of market development and going into, into different countries in, in Europe, opening China, opening uh, South Korea, going into Taiwan. We've just opened a couple of years ago uh, India for Chilean blueberries. We're just starting to do some work there. And there's a huge potential kind of a future thing. But uh, I mean, we have been trying to look for new and better markets for our fruit. And I, I think we've been quite successful in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know we did an episode previously, episode 22, where uh, we talked about some of that counter-seasonal collaboration with Chile that we've had over the years, you know, for us primarily here in the U.S. and your experience with the USHBC. But maybe you could talk a little bit about that thought of a future forward where those counter-seasonal experiences exist in other places. And, you know, where I think the U.S. has been a model of how you would balance year-round supply in a way where, you know, once that hits a place where you've got that availability, you know, at least a level of consistency of sorts of availability year-round, consumption drives forward. And so as you look at these other markets that you guys have been developing, and certainly we've been trying to develop the U.S. export work that we do at USHBC, maybe talk a little bit about you know, your perspective on that global growth development. What opportunity exists there? And then specifically, what opportunity exists you know, for us to work together to develop the kind of the U.S. model in these other places around the world? Yeah, well, certainly, Casey, I think Chile has been a partner in, with the USABC in making blueberries the favorite world's uh, fruit. And what's been going in the U.S. in terms of counter-season supply, and I would move to year-round supply, with all these increasing crops in the shoulder windows, it's the same what is happening in the U.S. is happening in Europe and it's happening in Asia. I mean, the fruit is going where the opportunities are, and uh, opportunities are growing everywhere. It's been very important to have this more consistent supply that we were talking. That is a reality in the U.S. and it is a reality in several other places around the world. I mean, it's the same. It's the same situation. And this is really helping to boost consumption around the world, and including some areas like food service. We were talking about food service before. And I think the time that we can have a more consistent supply during the year, those kind of markets will openly grow more towards the future. Yeah, I, I sense it as well. You know, when we were earlier talking about food service and just kind of the food manufacturing space, 
But even in the case of the fresh and frozen exports that you guys do, you've been doing it, you know, as a point of primary business. But hearing you kind of just talk about the markets that, you know, Chile focuses on in terms of opening and learning a little bit more about the work it takes, you know, since I've been here working with Alicia as our vice president of global business development, you know, what you guys have done to be able to move that fruit and be able to, you know, have it arrive in places like our country and other countries around the world, it's no small effort. And then of course, what we're talking about here is then, you know, creating a consistency of quality that drives that year round consumption. And then that food ingredient channel start to open up in terms of ways in which to expand those offerings in these countries. And to me, when we look at our strategic plan, the work that we've done just recently on expanding you know, this new vision of driving blueberries to be the world's favorite fruit, it's going to take all that collaboration and more and more production than we seem to have in place today in order to meet that global demand. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think Chile has been crucial in that sense. And the new countries have been crucial to move the needle in terms of uh, increased consumption around the world. I mean, if you talk to some growers in Chile or in the U.S., they would be confronting some new competition at some point, some part of the year. And that is true. But the overall effect of all this growing supply is uh, helping to grow demand. I mean, that's the biggest and main effect of all that is happening. And, and all the effort and the, the support that we are all doing in, in promoting and marketing and do a better job in terms of quality and condition is helping drive demand. Well, I want to dig a little bit deeper here in what's happening in Chile specifically and, and what that means for the future of this kind of global growth and vision development. But before we do, let's take a quick break for our crop report. As you know, Andres, parts of South American blueberry harvest is well underway, and we've been lucky to receive weekly updates from our colleagues down there. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Luis Vegas in Peru. This was recorded on December 1st, 2021. Good morning, everybody. This is Luis with the crop report from Peru up until the end of week 47, which is the week ending on November 28th. So up until week 47 of the season, Peru has shipped a total of 400 million pounds of fresh blueberries worldwide, representing a growth of 33% in volume versus the previous season. From this overall volume, 54% has been shipped to the US. During week 47, a total of 10.4 million pounds were shipped. 55% of the volume was shipped to the US with 5.7 million pounds, which are expected to arrive to the US market during late December. Uh, the volumes from Peru uh, are dropping rap rapidly during the last weeks. Since week 45, the weekly volumes shipped this season are lower in comparison to the same weeks uh, last season. Uh, finally, we're working on an update of the final forecast for this season that we should have ready for next week. Uh, and that's a report from Peru. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to our colleagues who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our Data and Insight Center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. We've made this snapshot view of USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. 
All right. Well, now back to our featured conversation with Andres Armstrong. Andres, as we talk about you know, the development of global consumption, one of the things that we're seeing here in the US that I know you're very familiar with is the challenge we're facing in logistics. Now, it would be great to just kind of get your perspective on what the port challenges in the United States have meant for Chile, just coming to the US in general, but maybe getting even more of a global perspective from your sense of how logistics have impacted our ability to move fruit throughout the world. Well, last, last season, remember, we're just beginning. We are right under 1% of our crop of the season. So we're just beginning now. Um, so far, it's moving it's moving okay because it's not a lot of fruit. But uh, from last season, we had some, uh, I would say, special uh, problems in the West Coast of the U.S. and some parts of uh, Europe uh, and China. Not a lot compared to the previous season. But what we're seeing now right in the beginning is that there's shortage of containers and the the lines in the in the ports will be a very challenging situation for our crop not only for blueberries there are a lot of other crops going out from chile cherries are just starting and we have blueberries and then we come the the grapes we have two very big crops from chile i was just talking with one of our members this morning and um, everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen everybody's like confirming the, the containers and the, and the capacities. But we need to see in a couple of weeks more when more fruit is going out. So we will keep the, our industry updated on uh, how's the situation. Uh, so far, it's moving quite smoothly for us because it's small fruit, but we will need to see afterwards. Yeah, well, and I do wonder how many folks in our industry really know that the majority of the fruit that comes into the United States is coming through Philadelphia and that East Coast port, you know, when you're hearing the news and you're thinking about all the logistics issues, you know, that primary port of entry for the majority of the imported fruit is coming through Philadelphia. Maybe you could speak specifically to that, you know, which portion of the port system you guys use more than the others. Yeah, Philadelphia for certainly is is one of the most important together with Miami and, and Los Angeles. I would say those are the three major ports of entry into the U.S., and then if you go to Europe, Amsterdam is certainly the, the main port of entry into Europe. They will go directly into the UK. China is Shanghai and Guangzhou, and, uh, and then uh, Korea. These are, those are the, the main ports of entry. So as I told you, I think we will need how to these develops. But uh, so far, what we're seeing, that would be very challenging and might lead to less fruit being shipped this season out of Chile for blueberries. We'll need to see that. but. There's a, not a minor chance that that might be the case. Yeah. Well, we'll be watching closely with you. And I know you gave us a great overview earlier of just kind of the industry down there. But what changes are you seeing or have you seen in these recent years that are really kind of driving the evolution of the blueberry industry there in Chile? But, you know, plantings, varieties, policies, what's reshaping the supply there? Uh, well, I mean, you don't have for every fruit that the alternative to move fruit to the process market, which is always good because when you have fruit not good enough to travel, remember that we don't use air shipments anymore, very small. So everybody's going out by ship and, and that provides the fruit transit times that can move from two to three weeks and it's challenging for the fruit. So some of the older varieties have a home in the frozen market, which is good because there's a way you can keep those away from the fresh and find a home that is, uh, I mean, is reasonable for the grower. So that is one big change moving through new varieties that travel better. 
And then there's also a lot of technological changes going in the orchards, in the packing houses. We've seen the, the evolution of the optic lines that began in Chile like six years ago, that there was an adoption of a technology that was used in cherries. And they moved that into blueberries. That was a huge change in terms of uh, how to select and pack the fruit by sizes and, I mean, less hands during the process. So it was a huge change. And then all the technology, post-harvest technology, the different bags to preserve the fruit, to avoid dehydration, to avoid fruit, to lose their firmness. There's a lot, lot of changes. And that way, we, we didn't use plastic bags not a long time ago. But now every shipment going to major markets are using plastic bags to avoid the rotation. And, and that is providing a huge difference in terms of uh, the fruit quality arriving into the markets. Yeah. I think you and I discussed this before, but just knowing that there are challenges with the harvesting. I mean, here in the US, you know, we're constantly looking towards mechanical harvesting as a solution to some of the labor shortages that we face here in the US. But maybe you could speak to some of those challenges, if any, you're facing there in Chile? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a world situation, lack of labor, uh, when we're talking about fresh. And that would be more challenging for Chile because of the transit times that we have to different markets. We have a, a bigger challenge there. So uh, how to tackle that situation? Variety is one. The, the alternative of frozen is, is another one. And then moving towards... I wouldn't say mechanical harvesting yet, it might go there, but mechanical aided harvest for improving labor efficiency when harvesting. I mean, that's a very crucial part of the process when we're thinking about quality. If you're not harvesting your orchard and the speed you need, then you will have a problem in the future in terms of fruit quality. So that is a key factor and uh, um, we have been uh, working to improve the efficiency of labor, and also trying to get some uh, facilitate the entrance of harvested from other countries. We don't have a legislation that facilitates that, but in light of all the COVID situation, the lack of people, the difficulties for traveling, there's a project now going in the government towards, uh, I would say, improving the possibilities of having seasonal labor especially for agriculture. So that would be a very good news in terms of, I mean, providing more hands towards the work we need to do in agriculture and, and especially in fruits. Not only blueberries, but other crops are growing like cherries or table grapes. Yeah, I, that's what I was just going to ask. You have competition for labor. We have that here in the U.S. You know, we're all kind of competing for labor. But what, what are the growth of crops in Chile look like? What's hot? What's happening in Chile that, you know, you're competing with in that labor space, you know, even in ground? So, you know, what, what are top crops doing that are impacting blueberries? Well, top growing crop in Chile now are cherries. They're in a season where overlaps with blueberries in like the first third of, of the blueberry crop. Then the cherries are done and then you only have blueberries. And by the end of blueberries, you start the harvesting of table grapes sort of balances, but at some weeks, in some places, you have a very tough competition for labor between all these crops. But cherries are the number one growing crop in Chile for the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. What's driving that growth from your perspective? One simple question to that, Casey. Yeah. China. Yeah. Yeah. They love their cherries. Love the cherries. And it's a special gift occasion for the Chinese New Year. They're I mean, trying to expand 
the sales of cherries different weeks, but the Chinese year is always driving a lot, a lot, a lot of fruit. Wow. Well, you know, as you guys have had to compete with that and you think about what this last year has been like, maybe you could share just a little bit from your perspective on what the global pandemic has done in terms of impacting Chile and the way it's maybe changed the blueberry industry there in Chile. Well, we have to, I mean, adapt our processes. I mean, to keep people's safety first, what first thing to do and, uh, and created some problems there, but uh, we were able to adapt to that. Not a lot of problems, but um, the COVID situation created uh, also a lack of, um, of hands. Two situations. One is that the government started putting out some incentives to, I mean, make people don't get sick and like stay at home. And when you're saying stay at home, you're saying don't go to work. <laughs> I mean, you can work from home, but you cannot harvest your blueberries from home, you know. <laughs> so there was and, and there still are some incentives to, I mean, avoid having increased in the COVID cases. So that is affecting the labor availability. And the other factor is that it's more difficult to travel. So foreign countries, uh, laborers that usually come to Chile for the agriculture uh, season, that went down. People came, are, are coming, but in less numbers than we had before. So I would say the two major uh, impacts down here in Chile, besides the impacts that we are seeing now in the unbalance in world trade that is creating all this situation with the lack of containers and the unbalance uh, exchange of goods around the world is creating. But on the other hand, COVID has also, I think, enhanced or make it more visible the importance of consuming fruit and healthy fruits like blueberries. We have seen the changes in consumption of citrus, for example, or kiwis and also blueberries. So I think on, on that side of consumption, COVID has helped to boost demand also. Yeah. Well, Andres, uh, let's take a quick break here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. With Thanksgiving behind us, we've now officially entered the season of holiday parties, cookie swaps, and showing our neighbors some love with delectable treats. Enter blueberries. Yes, this is a great season to show how blueberries can add a boost of health, color, and deliciousness to holiday gatherings. This season of festivities, while exciting, can also feel overwhelming for some. So you can engage your busy customers by providing ways to make them a hero and save them time. USHBC makes it easy for you to provide your customers and followers with fun, unique, and easy-to-make recipes that are sure to delight. Just go to ushbc.org toolkits and click on Fall and Winter Holidays. You'll find all the tools and resources you need to promote grabbing a boost of blue. You know what else people appreciate? Easy ways to make their gifts festive. In the toolkit, you'll find colorful downloadable gift tags that you can offer your customers to attach to their blueberry treats. These blueberry-inspired tags include a QR code for the recipe that provide a gift beyond the treats. You see, it's all about engaging your customer, and they will remember how you made their lives both easier and tastier. So check out ushbc.org toolkits and fall winter holidays, and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Blueberries to find more blueberry inspiration and ideas to share. We're here for you so you can be there for your audiences. 
This has been your marketing boost. Thank you for your partnership as together we inspire the world to grab a boost to blue. Casey, back to you. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to today's episode with Andres Armstrong. That kind of takes us to a good question, you know, from your perspective, having been a longtime leader on the USHBC board, you certainly played a big part in helping us kind of reshape a strategic plan for USHBC, driving this new vision and that kind of collaboration that we were talking about that's going to be needed in order to evolve the industry into this next wave of what we're calling innovation going forward. You know, maybe speaking to that, what does that work together look like from your perspective to develop that year-round consumption in a global marketplace? Uh, well, you know, Casey, I, I really have to applaud. I, I would say that to, I mean, United Blueberry Task Force Initiative and what that could bring to help us drive demand for blueberries, not only in the U.S., but uh, also uh, around the world. I think that uh, this is a way to go. I mean, working together to develop our industry and provide the resources needed for doing that because it's not the case that we just put together, get together and talk about the good things that we could do if we don't have the resources to do that. So I really think that this is a great initiative and having, uh, I mean, on a voluntary basis also, which means more to me, you know, the, the people really uh, committed in working for the industries. It's a different thing when we're talking about the USABC when you have the assessment and I mean, the money is there because you have to put it. But when you have uh, associations like the United Blueberry Task Force or, or the Chilean Blueberry Committee, which is a voluntary association, and we have these 46 companies in Chile that are supporting and their members and they're supporting our, all our programs. They're really committed in, in the work that we are doing in terms of market development, in sustainability, in quality, in food safety. I would just like to recognize all these uh, companies that are, are, are supporting us and, and also all the companies that are supporting the United Blueberry Task Force. And we are also, as, as an association, supporting that, that effort. And uh, we will be happy to, to be there, make this industry a better one and uh, blueberry the favorite fruit. Yeah. No, it has been, I would say, in respect of the last year, you know, the global pandemic aside, it's been a wild ride. And I think to be able to, you know, work with you and certainly our industry colleagues on that doubling down on that commitment that, you know, there is an opportunity out there to go get. And, you know, I think the the task force was a good example. We've talked about this in our episode with Joe Barcy about, you know, what it takes to kind of drive that next wave forward. And really, Daniel Bustamante from Peru, our conversation with him uh, in our last episode with Peru, but also in that context of the task force, just realizing that we needed to do more with more and what that really represents in trying to, uh, you know, not we're not boiling the ocean here. We have some initiatives that are underway in the channel space of food ingredient, food service, and certainly we can see in the conversations we're having here about, you know, developing these other countries, these export opportunities that if we can get these other countries to, you know, kind of model after that year round consumption of growth that we can see have been successful here in the U.S., just how much more, you know, blueberry consumption could rise and how valuable that would be for everybody who's a part of this industry. Yeah, but it's happening, Casey. Uh, and if you see the numbers of fruit that is being uh, going to different markets, the Peruvian fruit, the Chilean fruit, uh, Morocco and South Africa, that is also a new player. What is happening in China also? I mean, it's something that uh, I think it's just a result of all the efforts that we are all been doing on the last, I would say, last 40 years. 
since the beginning of the NABC, which is, I mean, it's not a, um, a short-term effort. It's a long-term effort. And uh, somehow we are collecting the results of all that effort that uh, you guys uh, began some, some years ago now. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure, Andres. Thank you again for being a part of the episode today. And, you know, as I said, we have really appreciated your leadership on the USHBC and in our industry and the collaboration that you continue to represent as a, you know, a place, a person and an organization that we can go to to collaborate with on on driving things forward. So thank you very much. Thank you, Casey. Always count on that. Well, Another great episode here. I always appreciate the opportunity to sit down with Andres, whether it's in person or over, you know, a virtual conversation with him. But, you know, certainly in today's episode on the podcast, he's just a, a wealth of great information. And as you can hear when we talk, a longtime partner in working on driving blueberry demand and, you know, looking at it from what they're facing now as a, a very similar challenges as a country. Chile has challenges with labor. The pandemic certainly impacted the production there, the culture there, the community there. And then logistics we talked about, certainly something they're always thinking about as a country that primarily ships their fruit. But also interesting to hear that there's a growing amount of consumption there in the country to be paying attention to as we go forward from here. But again, always a great opportunity to sit down with Andres and just hear specifically about how the market's changing. You know, you heard a conversation there about how cherry industry is really kind of driving some of that competitive challenge for labor, but more importantly, just understanding that that sounds like the new blueberries for Chile there. So cherries have been really impacting the growth of export markets there for Chile. But again, another great episode, another great opportunity to kind of just get a sense of what's happening for Chile right now, talking to one of the leaders there in the country who really has their finger on the pulse of the blueberry business in Chile. So that's it for episode 74. Thank you to Andres and thanks so much to you for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the business of blueberries. 